Welcome to the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by myself, Danny Perez. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Monkey Mind Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Danny Perez, and today's episode's guest is J.R. Butler. J.R. is a former Division I college hockey player at Holy Cross and current founder of Shift Group, which we are pleased to announce a partnership with them with the release of this episode. In this episode, we will talk with J.R. about his journey throughout his hockey career, his sobriety from drugs and alcohol, and how he founded Shift Group and our new partnership with them. But before we get into today's episode, we have a quick word from our sponsors. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Shift Group. Shift Group aims to help athletes navigate life after sports within the technology industry by providing support, education, and finally setting you up with the various companies they work with so you can hit the ground running. Shift Group is founded by athletes for athletes. They understand the feeling of having to hang up the skates or cleats and want to help athletes make a smooth transition into a competitive, goal-oriented industry that is fueled by the attributes all athletes possess. If you're interested in working with Shift Group to begin a career in tech, then head over to our website, monkeymindathletes.com backslash partners and click work with Shift Group. From there, it will take you to their inquiry page where you can input all your information. Make sure you type in monkey mind under the where did you hear about us section. Then under that, you click submit and someone from Shift Group will promptly reach out to you and get you rolling on your new career in tech. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose makes an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. Well, we're here with J.R. Butler today, founder at Shift Group, um, also former Division I hockey player at Holy Cross. Um, welcome. Thanks for having me, Danny. I'm excited to chat today, bud. Yeah, I'm very excited. And um, for those of you who, who don't know, we uh, Monkey Mind has recently partnered with Shift Group and Super fired up about that, and I think uh, throughout this conversation, you'll hear that Jr. and I have a lot of common ground, and um, something that you know we're both doing something that we're passionate about, and um, we feel that this partnership will help out a lot of athletes uh, with the whole you know transitioning out of life after sport and um, kind of making that process easier, which we're you know we're excited about doing, and we'll dive into more here. But um, yeah, Jr., welcome. I'm excited to have this conversation with you, and if you can just kind of introduce yourself further, tell everybody about your background in hockey. Obviously, you come from a hockey family and um, yeah, we'll segue into the, into the mental health piece and kind of how, you know, you got into the shift group now. Yeah. I think if you, uh, if you look up rink rat in the dictionary, that's uh, you're going to find a picture of me and my brothers. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up in, in central mass in a town that, or a city that most the hockey players are aware of called Marlboro. Um, it's where the new England sports center is the biggest rink in North America. So I grew up, half a mile up the road from there. I spent a lot of time making the trip down the hill uh, to, the, to the sports center. Uh, my father was a high school hockey coach for about 30 years um, since before I was born. 
Um, so I, I really did grow up on the ice. Um, I played, uh, you know, youth hockey in the Marlboro area, uh, was lucky enough to play a couple years for my dad. Um, and then I got the opportunity to go play prep school hockey, um, you know, in the early 2000s when, you know, prep school was really the spot to be. And I got to go to like one of the best schools in the country, uh, Cushing Academy, played with some like legends uh, nowadays of, of hockey. Of course, um, you know, Chris Bork and Keith Yandel and Billy Ryan and a lot of guys that were older than me that were phenomenal uh, hockey players. So um, that was an amazing experience. And candidly, without it, I never would have got a chance to play college hockey. Um, you know, I, I kind of I got the opportunity on second assists. <laughs> so I would put it. Um, I was definitely more of a locker room guy. Yeah. Kind of keep it simple, stupid, stay at home defenseman. Um, so as long as I avoided turnovers, I could usually get get by in a game. Um, went to Holy Cross. Um, was lucky enough my sophomore year again to be part of a really special team. Um, so in 2006, we won Atlantic Hockey. Um, and got to go out to a regional, you know, as an automatic bid um, to play uh, in North Dakota. And we matched up as the four seed uh, to Minnesota. And I actually believe we were the 16 seed. They were the one seed um, and we upset them in overtime. So that was an unbelievable experience. Um, and this was, you know, like I said, 2006, really prior to that, uh, no number four seed had had ever advanced out of a regional or I, I don't even think had won a game. Um, and actually since then, I believe the stat is that more, more four seeds have won national championships than one seeds. Um, so really kind of the start of parody in college hockey, unbelievable experience uh, at Holy Cross um, got to see kind of like what it takes to, to be part of a winning team, I think was the number one lesson I learned there. Um, and, you know, the idea of like playing a role on a team. Um, and as soon as I graduated, I got right back into hockey. I, I coached youth hockey in South Boston, Mass for a decade. I, I loved uh, I, I was in the U16 area. Like I love that age of like 14 and 15 years old is, you know, it, it's where I kind of changed my life. I was kind of on a bad track in Marlboro. One of the reasons I went to Cushing um, and I made the decision to like kind of dedicate my life to, to sports and like into hockey specifically. And, you know, never, no one ever thought I was going to play in the NHL, but just the fact that I committed myself the way I did opened up a lot of doors for me into the future. Um, and, and I, now I live out in Arizona. I'm still, I still try to help out where I can in youth hockey. Um, and then, you know, my, my, my dad still coaches the junior Boston junior Bruins NCDC team. So he retired from Marlboro high. Um, my brother, Bobby is, is probably the most well-known in our family um, played in the NHL uh, represented the U S in the 2018 Olympics retired uh, just came back uh, a few weeks ago to sign a contract in the East coast. He's played 13 games. He's got 14 points. At 35. <laughs> At 35 years old, pretty impressive. He actually just played in his 600th professional game. Um, I'm heading back home this week for the Frozen Four. And uh, Friday night, my brother has a game in Worcester, uh, and it's Bobby Butler night. So hopefully I can get my hands on like a bobblehead or whatever the hell. That's unreal. Whatever they're giving out. Um, 
And then my other brother, Al, also played. He played at Lowell, and then he finished his career at um, Salve Regina, still super involved in hockey. Um, he coached a bunch of college games, and, and I think uh, – not coached, excuse me, refed. He coached Salve for a year, and then he got into refereeing. Um, and I think he's on a, he's on a pretty good path from a refereeing perspective. So, you know, it's in the blood, man. You can't, you know, you can't get away from the game at all. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, that's awesome. But, uh, yeah, I've actually have a buddy playing on Worcester right now and he's told me that, that he was playing with your brother and stuff. And I was like, pretty sure you're retired. And then I looked back and it was like, Oh, he's still going like, just, and he's lighting it up too, which is unreal to see Bobby oh, yeah. Butler night. Love it. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's, that's awesome. And, um, yeah, obviously, um, want to quickly touch on before, you know, we kind of go into the mental health piece and all that stuff. Um, but I want to quickly touch on your career after hockey and, um, you know, it'll all tie in together, but, you know, kind of that segueing piece of going into it. And, um, obviously you were a chief revenue officer at pillar and then now started, uh, you're the founder of shift group. So, um, just quickly touch on that and then we'll kind of dive into that, you know, later on, but, uh, kind of how'd you get into that and how'd you make that shift once the, you know, the playing career was over. So, so funny enough, like uh, without hockey, I wouldn't be in software sales. Uh, I, I met a guy through, you know, my friends joked around when he hired me that, that he, that he was paying me like 30 grand a year to be on his men's league team. So he owned a, <laughs> he owned a technology company in, in my hometown. And I was thinking about going to law school at the time. And basically he talked me out of it and, and hired me as a, as a business development rep. So basically a cold caller uh, for this tech company in Marlboro. Um, and I fell in love with it. Like right away, it was like, you know, I got this camaraderie back that I missed in the locker room. I got this, you know, the competitive nature, you know, one of the things I loved initially about tech sales is there's a scoreboard every day. So you actually get to see exactly where you stand against your peers, against, you know, whoever you're competing against from a, from a other company perspective. Um, and then the other thing is like, you're so, you're so raw to begin with that you get to see this like consistent growth that, you know, sports really, I think gives you more than anything. It's one of the reasons like I'm obsessed with golf now because it's something that I get to see myself get better at every single day. Mm-hmm. I got that with, you get that with, you know, this industry that with technology sales specifically, because you have to, you have to be a student of the game. You have to understand how companies work. You have to understand how software works. You have to understand how people work. And like, you know, especially on the technology side is changing so rapidly. So you constantly have to be getting reps in and like learning and getting better. Um, So I loved it from the start. I, I got really lucky. I was surrounded by incredible mentors early in my career, much like hockey, uh, that kind of showed me how to be a professional. Um, and you know, we, we, we were acquired in like a kind of like a private equity roll up that I was kind of young and didn't really understand, but I did realize that a bunch of people made a lot of money and I was like, I want to be part of that next time. So, um, I ended up joining, looking for a startup, finding a company in Boston that was very early, joined, got some equity in the business and, you know, as a salesperson helped, helped grow the company, moved into leadership. You know, the company just took off like a rocket ship. Um, we ended up, you know, growing hundred percent year over year for like seven years in a row. Um, and we sold the company to IBM for 
uh, $2 billion, which was an amazing, amazing experience growing a business from, you know, less than 50 people to over 600 people. And, um, you know, and from, you know, single digit millions into, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and that's how I got the opportunity eventually to be a chief revenue officer. So really come in and build out a sales organization and a sales strategy from the ground up at Pillar. Um, and that was an awesome experience. That's how I ended up out in Arizona, um, is working for a founder, CEO who, who built a really cool technology. Um, you know, and I'm still kind of involved in that business just in terms of like advising when I can. Um, but they're, you know, they're doing really well. And, and that's when I decided to start Ship Group because honestly, Danny, like my whole career has been peppered with phone calls from my hockey buddies being like that know me that being like, hey, you know, you're not that smart, JR, and you've done well. How do I get into your industry? So that's kind of <laughs> honestly how the business started is I as I helped a bunch of hockey guys uh, make the transition and realize that, you know, every company in the world wants competitive, resilient, coachable, hardworking candidates. And like, you know, the rest of the stuff, you, you, you know, the companies on, on, on board with like giving them the training development, mm -hmm. the foundational kind of industry insights. Um, and I, and I also realized that every athlete has these, these, these characteristics. So, you know, we, when we started the business, we opened it up to every sport. We started working with a couple of programs in minor league baseball, you know, the, the, the minor league football, like, you know, arena, CFL, et cetera, um, you know, getting into colleges, division one athletic departments, and, you know, just partnering with them to number one, educate the, educate the athlete on what the industry is all about, why they're, they will love the industry, why they'll be like very successful in the industry. And, you know, the market has responded really well to the, to the business, um, the business process that we've set up, which is taking athletes, training them on, on technology sales, and then, and then placing them at, you know, 50 plus companies that we partner with. Um, and we don't charge athletes anything to go through our training. Um, and, and, you know, our partners are all fast growth, uh, software companies that are looking for the type of characteristics of the candidates that we have. So it's pretty, pretty cool, like story in the sense that like, I really started the company for myself in two ways. One was I was like a lost puppy when I stopped playing hockey. Like it was, you know, like it's your entire life. It's all you think about. Um, and then one day it's gone. It doesn't matter if it happens when you're, you know, 22 years old, like it did for me or, you know, 34 years old, like it did for my brother, you know, he's back again, but yeah. <laughs> eventually he's got to face it, yeah. right? Like, so it's just a, it's a really hard time in someone's life. And it was for me, like very hard personally, emotionally, which I know we'll get into. Mm -hmm. um, and I struggled with it. So like being there, showing up for the athlete at that point in their life is huge for me because, you know, I wish this company existed for me. And then also like, you know, I interviewed thousands of people at my last company and, you know, being able to just pluck the candidates that I already know have those characteristics was something that I really pushed my recruiting team for. And had there been a shift group out there, like I would have been all over that, right? Like mm -hmm. you've got that athletic DNA, you know, the other big thing with us is like our, our candidate pool is super diverse, you know, over 50% female and people of color, which the technology industry needs 
you know, drastically is, is, is under divorce, under diverse. There's a lot of underrepresented people that we're helping get into the industry. So like, there's a lot of, a lot of like personal kind of connection that I have with our vision, like a hundred percent, you know what I mean? Oh, oh, without a doubt. And well, that's so, that's why I'm super excited about this partnership and, and working together is because while I have not been in technology sales or in the, in the tech industry and, and in that space, I know the feelings of not being an athlete anymore. And I understand what that feels like and kind of having that lost sense of direction. And a big thing like that, that you just mentioned is that piece of having that drive of, of seeing growth and, and seeing, you know, you having to learn and grow within an industry. And while I, like I said, while I haven't experienced that within this space, I have buddies who are hockey players who've gotten into it and they've just said the exact same things that you have said. And they said, man, I've made connections with so many ex-professionals, ex-collegiate hockey players that, you know, I've always known through the grapevine or knew of, but they're now in this tech space and they're loving it and they're thriving. And it's giving them that same feeling and that same sense of, you know, fullness that the sport once gave them. And I think that's the biggest thing is that when you transition out of playing into, you know, a career, it's, it's not really the same, but this has been giving them that. And this has been allowing them to feel like they are working for something, you know, bigger again than themselves. And it's been a great sense of fulfillment for them. So that's why I'm super excited to be able, you know, have you on board making that, you know, spearheading this whole operation and making that transition easier as someone who's gone through it and knows what that's like, I think is just so huge. And it's not something that's really talked about while you're still in the sport, but you really, it hits you hard when you're done with it. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every athlete I talk to that's in the business loves what I'm doing. Cause they're like, I wish somebody just explained why this is going to be a good fit for me. So that's, we spend like, you know, 50% of our time just educating these kids and these athletes on like, why, why it's a good fit for them. Cause you know, they hear tech and their eyes roll in the back of their head sometimes. So, mm-hmm. you know, we got to get them over that hump big yeah. time. No, exactly. I think uh, the less that you can delay that feeling after school, if you can just kind of get the ball rolling right away, I think is the biggest thing. And, and you talked about that, the DNA um, aspect that athletes have um, and how it can translate into this industry so well. And I think it's because of that, you know, that drivenness, the determination and, and having those markers set every day and that having those goals every day, I think is something that is, is very much so needed in, you know, with athletes and how we're kind of programmed of tracking and measuring progress. Yeah. Yep. Well said. So, but no, I'm, I'm excited about that. And um, obviously talking about your personal experience and um, some of the things that you've uh, you know experienced throughout your life and um, listening to your Warriors on Mass episode with Chuck Thuss and Clint Malarchuk. And um, a lot of the things that you were talking about were very relatable to me. And I was excited to have this conversation talk, you know, kind of go down that rabbit hole a bit too. But if you could just kind of talk about the, uh, you know, the mental health piece and kind of what you've uh, experienced in your life. Yeah, man. Like I, uh, so, you know, I, I, you know, people always, I, so I I'm coming up on uh, 10 years of sobriety and in five months, um, August 19th will be, will be 10 years since I, since I have my last uh, sip of alcohol. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, like I always tell people it's good for everybody. <laughs> Whenever when someone says good for you, I'm like, it's good for everybody. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, like I, you know, I think I always struggled, you know, um, I was, uh, you know, growing up in a house with my, you know, my father as a hockey coach, um, you know, and, and he's 
obsessed with the game like I am. Uh, you know, one of the things I think I personally struggled with is my my I was the oldest of three boys and and my little brother was always like very a very, very special talent, right? From the from the get-go, right? Like I asked my dad when he knew my brother was going to play in the NHL. And my dad's a hockey guy. And he said, it, I, I knew when he was seven. Right. And there's no book, you know, my dad had us young. I think he was 21 when he had me uh, 23 when he had Bob. So you're talking about a 30 year old kid, basically uh, realizing that one of his kids is going to be one of the best in the world, literally at the thing that he loves the most. Like there's no book to be like, Hey, this is how you should treat your other kids or, or this kid. Um, and I think like the, the stuff that we experience when we're young, like things like jealousy and, you know, like, like emotions like that, are, they show up differently. And I think for me, it, it created like a need to like kind of get attention and like, you know, deal with emotions that I didn't really understand. And, you know, one thing that I, I was always good at is like being the life of the party, you know, I joked that I was a locker room guy, but like quite literally, like, you know, my college team would do kangaroo court and then they would do, you know, butts court, which was like just me for an hour talking about my stories from the week. Like I was just an animal. Um, but that was like kind of how I showed up. That was the role that I played. Um, so like drugs and alcohol just became a huge part of my life. And, and, and I never really dealt with any of the stuff from growing up. Um, and then, you know, stopping hockey and like losing that like locker room guy identity was like dude it was brutal like you know it, it becomes who you are and then it's gone and you don't even know who you are anymore so like I had to kind of get get right with myself and like really get to know who I was and like develop the most important characteristic you can have in my opinion as a human which is self-awareness um so that was kind of like just the beginning of my journey was, was just putting down the alcohol and drugs and just not doing it anymore. And that was probably the first few years, um, you know, and then it was about, okay, like, what is this all about? Why am I doing this? And, and, you know, how can I, how can I get better? So, and that's just every day, like that's an ongoing journey, right? Like I still struggle. I still think about it. You know, it's something that is, is something that's always going to be there for me. Um, but again, it's it's it, it, it's one of the reasons I started the company is because like helping athletes find a new identity and separating themselves from their sport is like really important because like it, they don't have to change who they are. They just need to apply the things that made them athletes mm -hmm. to something else. That's like the key. That was the key for me. You know what I mean? No, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. And um I think with the whole locker rally, I, I can relate to that too, just because I, just, I mean, when you don't play, like, I wasn't really a key guy in the lineup. I was a role guy. That was who I was. And, you know, if I'm not producing, like I had to bring more to the table too. So I was like, all right, I, I've got, like, I'm, I'm always like a clown too. Some of the funny guys. So I was like, that's why when you were talking about that, I was getting excited. I was like, Oh, like, so, you know, he knows where I'm coming from. And it's like, <laughs> but then it, with that comes like, you know, being the life of the party and, you know, it's like, then it becomes you're masking these emotions with with booze and going out and it's like everyone thinks that you're just being a clown or whatever like but you know when you look back it's like all right i'm just masking this stuff so um yeah that's a really tough place to be and i know a lot of athletes can go through that especially when if you're playing at 
you know, the highest possible levels. You're always, you know, probably the best at, at some point at a certain level. And then to not have that same feeling, it's, it's, it's tough. And I think college is a really difficult time to manage all those emotions because you're still growing into yourself as a person, growing into yourself as an athlete. And then on top of that, dealing with so many distractions and, you know, you, you can say to your blue in the face, like, yeah, I just have better management of these things, but it's, it's just hard when you're in it, you know? And I think when you're a 21 year old, you know, trying to deal with all these emotions and, and deal with being held to a, such a high standard, it's tough. And that's just the flat out truth. And, um, but I just remember, you know, hearing that you discussed that and think of how many other guys are probably, you know, going through that same thing, just masking it through booze and um, how detrimental that could really be. Totally, man. And, and like my, you know, and, and, and I think like, you know, when, if somebody's listening out there that, that is struggling with it, like, you know, I always thought, like, I think I, in the back of my head, cause my, you know, I come from a family, not my, my parents, but like my, my aunts and uncles that struggled with alcohol abuse and were, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous and recovered. I think in the back of my head, I always kind of was curious about it. And I always thought that like, Hey, I, I don't, I'm not normal when it comes to this stuff, mm-hmm. but I always would fight it. Like it would always be like, you know, no, I can be normal. I can be like the other guys. I can have a few beers. And I, and I could not, yeah. like it just, there was no, like, <laughs> I don't have a dimmer. Like I don't have a dimmer. It's like, I'm on or I'm off. Uh-huh. Right? Like, and that goes by the way for everything. So like, I have to pay attention even to this day on, on like what habits I pick up, like what activities I'm doing, like, mm. You know, if, if I go off the rails, like, uh, nutritionally, like I'll put on like 15 pounds in two weeks. Cause all of a sudden yeah. I'm eating like 6,000 calories yeah. <laughs> and I'm like 37. It's not like, I can't do it. So it's definitely like, my advice is like, just, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help because like, mm-hmm. that's one thing that I think I avoided forever. I just avoided talking about it. And I just kept telling myself it was going to get better and it never did. Until finally, you know, I made that that first phone call, which is a hard phone call to make to be like, hey, I don't think I'm OK. What am I going to do? And, mm-hmm. and you, you know, the, the guys out there know who they can call. Um, and, and honestly, I know you have my contact info on your website and stuff. Anybody who needs help with that, I'm always available to to talk guys through those first those first few weeks are the hardest. So mm-hmm. uh, always there for people that, that need the need the assistance. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And, um, you know, we appreciate you saying that on here too. And that's why we've created this, um, this platform is to create that, that community of people who, Hey, we've been through this. We know what it's like. Um, we may not have the answers for you, you know, personally, but we can help you, you know, get help and get the answers and kind of just be a listening ear, which I think is the most important thing. And, um, you know, going into that, what, you know, how did, and please share as much as you feel, don't share whatever you feel like not sharing, you know, it's totally, you know, in your court, but how did you get into that, you know, space of, okay, I, I need help and, and kind of like your advice to people who are, are struggling with that and um, the steps that you took and how you've gotten to where you are today with your sobriety and, um, you know, how you've gotten a, you know, a handle on it all. I think that's the biggest thing is people can, you know, it gets to a point where you have to recognize the problem you know, and yeah. then, and then it's okay. Now from there, what do I do? So kind of whatever you feel like sharing, walk, you know, you know walk us through the steps that you took and how you got to where you are today. So like, I, you know, I, I do get a lot of calls from like people in my network, you know, asking me for help. And I can tell pretty much like right away where they are in their journey and where, where I was. So like, 
there's like, a, I call it doing math, right? So like the last like couple years that, that I was really struggling with, with the drugs and the alcohol, like I was doing math. Like I was saying, okay, I'm going to go out tonight and I'm only going to drink beers, right? Like, or, you know, I, as long as I stay home and I just drink wine, like I don't end up on a three-day bender, you know, waking up in some place that I don't recognize. And like towards the end, what I was, I was telling myself that every time I went out, I was like, okay, this is the math that I'm going to do tonight. Like I'm going to subtract this, or I'm going to subtract that, or I'm going to add that. Like I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat at 10 PM so that like the beers that I had from six to 10, then I can start drinking again <laughs> after I eat. Right. Like, and it just got worse and worse and worse. As I tried to slow down, I put the pedal to the metal. And then finally, like, I just had a breaking point. My, I was at my, my, my parents' house, my brother, threw, my, my youngest brother threw himself a party because he, tra he transferred from Lowell to Salve. Um, and it was like, a, it was a blowout. And like, I had, a, I went through a couple blackouts and I kind of came to, and my dad and my brother and my, one of my best friends from Cushing were, were talking to me and they're like, Hey, JR, like, you know, they were telling me something I already knew, like, Hey, you're, you know, you're a weekend warrior, you know, we're worried about you. You need to slow down. And this was after I had been trying to slow down for like a year. And I was like, guys, like I've, I'm, I've been trying, this is me slowing down. And they were like, Oh Jesus. <laughs> so I said to him, I was like, you know what? I'm just like, I, I, I just think me plus alcohol is the issue. Like that's the math that matters that I, and I need to, I need to subtract it. Like I need to remove alcohol from my life. It's the only way I can do it. I'm like, I'm not going to drink anymore. You know, of course I said after tonight, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> PM. Uh, but I, and I, and I still tied one on, but like, I meant it, like, even though I was kind of banged up, like I still meant like, this is it for me. Um, you know, and I, and I, you know, went to bed at like 7am the next day. And, you know, when I came to, I was kind of like, you know, I made a phone call to a guy that I knew was a hockey guy who stopped drinking when he was my age at the time I was 27. We had lunch that day in Boston. And I was like, dude, I, I think I'm done. And he's like, you know, he made a great point to me. He's like, JR, he's like, do you feel like you left it on the ice? Like, do you feel like, you know, like, do you feel like you, you, you got anything left? And I'm like, no, man. He's like, so who cares? He's like, nobody cares what's in your drink when you're at a bar or at a party or at, you know, a reunion or anything. He's like, you know, that's none of their business. And anybody who does care is caring for the wrong reasons. Um, so for me, it was like, you know, I try, I tried to do the math for so long and, and finally came to the realization that it was just me plus the substances that was the problem. And I just had to completely subtract them. Not like, not like, you know, like, like long division, like me plus alcohol minus hard alcohol. <laughs> right. Like, so, so that was kind of like my process was like, you know, and, and it took dude, I, you know, I, I had some ran into some issues, got into some trouble. Like, you know, people talk about rock bottom. Like, I think I hit like four or five rock bottoms before I finally was just like, this is it. I'm done you know, and, and, and I, I would love to say, like, I never looked back, but like, you know, you have your, you 10 years in or nine and a half years in, like, there's still days where I'm like, man, you know, like, this is like hard. <laughs> I wish I could just like separate myself from this and not, and not be in it so much, but like, you know, then I think about what the consequences are, right? Like, I know, 
that me plus alcohol equals all this, this issue. So like, you know, for me, it's, it's, it was really just kind of that self-awareness of just like, you know, facing the fact that like, as, 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 as good as I am at some things, I'm not good at, at alcohol. I'm not good at drugs. Like I can't do it like a normal person, whatever that looks like is not something that I don't have that muscle. Um, and, and that's kind of what, what led me down the path. And then, you know, initially for me, Danny, it was just like, it was just about abstinence. Like, don't touch it. Don't, don't, you know, don't be around it. Like, you know, legitimately hiding in my apartment in South Boston for like three weeks, staying away from my friends until I was comfortable owning it and, and, and saying to them like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know? And the funny thing is you think you're going to lose people. You think, you know, you think people are going to judge you on it. And, and certainly that happens, but those aren't the type of people you want around 90% of people, 95% of people that I told I was stopping were like, good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, it's probably a good idea, dude. And I was like, Jesus, like, why didn't you say anything? Right. But that's, you know, everybody gets there on their own eventually, you know? So that was kind of, you know, my journey, you know, is there anything that I can like add color on that you think would be helpful for people? Well, no, I mean, I think it's just being able to have ownership of that. And I, I guess just, just, you know, along the way, you know, you're approaching 10 years here, correct? Like you said. So, I mean, that's a very long time. Um, and I commend you for just being able to do that and, and talking about this, you know, so openly and, and having such a normal conversation about that. I think that's huge in so many ways, but um, just along that journey, kind of some ways that you've, I guess, have, you know, really been noticeable to you that have worked for you um, that might work for somebody else on, on kind of, you know, how they can help with their journey. Cause you know, that's a, that's a long time. And, and that's awesome that you're able to do that. And I know a lot of people who, you know, they try sobriety and then they fail and it's like that, that consistency piece, it's hard, but I know, you know, what, what have worked for you that could help them? I think like the biggest thing that has worked for me is, is, you know, I, and I talked about it a little bit, but it's, it's like having like accountability for like who I am, right? Like, you know, some people that I've, that I've worked with in the past, they're kind of like, well, I'm, I'm just going to try it for a little while. Um, and, you know, again, they're kind of like doing math, like, well, if I can stop for 60 days, then I can stop forever. And it's like, it's not necessarily about like, like we talk about addiction as like needing it. Right. That's not necessarily like what my problem was. My, my problem was when I did it, I abused it. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, for me, it was just ownership of like, like, Hey, I can't, I can't have a beer. Right. So like I had some friends, um, and they've kind of matured, I think a little bit since, um, since the early days where they were like, dude, just have a beer JR. Like it's only one beer. So I would, at the beginning, I would like, I would tell them like, all right, you want me to have a beer, like clear your schedule for the next three days and I'll have a beer. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, if I have a beer, we're going to go, I'm going to go on a three day bender. Like, like just owning it. Like, dude, you don't understand. Like, I can't just have a beer. I'm not like you. Right. And like, kind of like not getting in people's faces about it, but like kind of being open about like, Hey, it's not, it's not something that I can do. I, I, and I, I've been in sales my whole career. So I was always entertaining customers. And initially like, you know, I, I feared so much going out to dinner with a customer and ordering a club soda or a Sprite or a ginger ale. Um, and, and initially people would ask me like, Oh, what's wrong with you, JR? Um, and I would, you know, I, I try to be funny about it. I'd be like, well, you know what? I'm, 
I'm just, I'm allergic to alcohol. And they'd be like, oh, really? And I'd be like, yeah, I, I break out in handcuffs. And like immediately people would be like, oh, okay, like got it, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that kind of sends the message, you know what I mean? And, you know, you know, people are, people are awkward and weird. Like they're like, oh, you have a drinking problem. And I would always be like, no, I don't have a problem with drinking. I love drinking. That's why I don't drink. <laughs> you know what I mean? So just like, kind of like, you know, being kind of, you know, funny about it and kind of owning the fact that it's like, Hey, this is a problem for me, dude. Yeah. Like, really want to go down that road. We can talk about it. Right. So yeah. like that for me, and, and, and listen, I think some people have different personalities, right? Like, you know, some people can do that. Some people can't, but like, for me, that's, you know, you ask what worked for me. That's, that's always worked for me. And like, I've made new connections in my sobriety where, you know, people have like come from a big drinking culture and, and, you know, they'll push me and I, you know, and I, and I own it from day one when I meet new people. And that's kind of part of, it's part of my personality now. And I think it's, it, it's important for me because in order for, if I made it by making it part of my personality, then, it, then it, then when I, if I ever did slip people, everybody would be worried about it and be like, what are you doing? Right. Cause mm -hmm. they know me as the guy that doesn't drink. So that's like, you know, that's, what's worked for me, Danny, the, I think the biggest thing. No, I, I love that. And uh, I, like I said, like your ability to have humor with it and just be so open about it. I think uh, people listening to this is going to really hit home for a lot of them and, and really help them with that and on their journey. And I appreciate, you know, you offering to be a resource for them and, um, just everything about your, your story, I think is, is very relatable to a lot of athletes. And, um, especially with, you know, those transitioning from, you know, playing to now, you know, starting a career, I think, uh, this whole episode is going to be awesome for them to listen to, and they're going to have a lot of great things to take from it. And it's gonna be very beneficial for them. So, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. And I really do appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and excited for, you know, this partnership to, you know, be going on with monkey mind and shift group and, for those who are interested in getting started in this industry, um, they can head over to our website, monkeymindathletes.com backslash partners, and you'll see a link there on how to get started with Shift Group and, and get your career going. Um, and again, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. And I don't know if there's anything you want to, you know, any closing remarks or final words, uh, but uh, yeah, I just, uh, I'm really appreciative, uh, appreciative of you coming on here and, and being so open about this all. Of course, Danny, thank you for having me. And, and again, like I said, everybody, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a resource for anybody I can be. Thank you, Danny. I'm, I'm just as excited as you for this partnership. So I, I love what you guys are doing and I'm glad to be a part of it. So thank you for having me. I appreciate you.